Hi, I'm Asha Tomlinson. And I'm David Common. And we're hosts of CBC Marketplace. We're award-winning investigative journalists that want to help you avoid clever scams, unsafe products, and sketchy services. Our TV show has been Canada's top investigative consumer watchdog for more than 50 years. But this is our first podcast. CBC Marketplace podcast is available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. COVID vaccinations for kids ages 5 to 11 are starting to roll out across the country. That means it's a great time to ask, must it hurt? How can we make vaccinations less painful for children? Hi, Christine. Welcome to The Dose. Hi, thanks for having me. Have you done anything with your kids to make vaccinations and other needles less painful? Yeah, absolutely. I have four kids, and because this has been my research area focus over the last 20 years, I've done a lot with them before, during, and after needles to make it go smoother. What's your favorite technique with them? Uh, Well, I usually make sure I have my iPhone with me uh, so that they can be distracted. We just went for our flu shots a couple weeks back, and that strategy always works really well. You don't put away the phone at the moment of the needle to say, no, we must pay attention to this. In fact, you want to do the opposite. You want to distract them. Yeah, the research shows that distraction is one of the most effective things that you can do during vaccination. So I have all of my kids pick out what they want to watch on either their phone or my phone beforehand and have it ready to go. Good. Good. Those are your techniques. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about mine. You know, I, I've, I've given lots of, of speeches, lots of lectures to, to my colleagues on pain management and emergency medicine, you know, about giving local anesthetics before you start to stitching, which, of course, we do all the time in the emergency department. So just, though, before we begin, uh, why don't you give me a hi, my name is. Tell us what you do and where you do it. Sure. Hi, my name is Christine Chambers. I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm a professor at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm also scientific director for a national knowledge mobilization network called Solutions for Kids in Pain. And Halifax is a major center for the study of pain, and, uh, and you're part of that. So uh, I'm happy to have you on the dose. You've been researching the pain associated with vaccinations for a long time. With the COVID-19 vaccine for kids, what's similar and what's different this time around? I think what's different about, you know, the context that we're living through right now with the pandemic is just the, I think the state of chronic stress that we've all been living under and that parents and children in particular have been living under for the last almost two years. And so I think, you know, when I think about COVID-19 vaccination and, and how that feels different from other routine childhood vaccinations, I think it's that sense of urgency and also just the, the anxiety that families have been living with for quite some time now. It makes everything seem harder. And, and that's a very important take-home point that any stress or anxiety will increase the experience of, of pain associated with needles, won't it? Absolutely. We know this about pain. It's a very subjective experience. And in fact, the official definition of pain uh, acknowledges that it's not only a sensory experience, but it's an emotional experience. And we know that mood, anxiety, depression can all make pain worse. 
We will unpack that uh, very specifically a little bit later on in in the questions. But but I want to start talking about uh, techniques that that we use, that you and I use. I've been a vaccinator during the pandemic. I've written about managing pain in the emergency department, as I've said. There are some simple techniques that vaccinators can use, and frankly, I think they should use to reduce pain, especially for kids. One thing I do, for instance, uh, is at the moment I'm giving the injection, I gently tickle the skin close to the injection site as I'm giving the vaccination. That floods the sensory nerve with signals that help block out the pain from the needle. What techniques do you find most effective? It's simple things. What you described is a really simple thing. Another simple thing is just the positioning of the child. So we know, for example, that when children are seated as opposed to lying down, that that actually reduces the pain of the needle. How does that work? Why is that the case? A number of hypotheses have been put forward, but in general, it's believed that, you know, children feel a little more in control when they're seated and they're upright and they can see everything that's going on as opposed to when they're lying down. We all feel more vulnerable when we're lying down. And, you know, you've reminded me of something that is related, but it, it's analogous, but it's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of the same thing. And that is uh, examining somebody who's got a ticklish abdomen. For instance, if I'm finding that they're so ticklish, when I'm trying to feel their belly to see if they've got appendicitis, if they've got tenderness, that what I will do is I will place their hand on the area of the abdomen that I want to examine, and then I'll put my hand on top of their hand, and that gives them more of a sense that they're controlling the the examination, and therefore they're less ticklish. Yeah. Whenever we feel like we have some say or some control, it can make a huge difference. And, you know, for kids, it's really easy to do that in, in simple ways by just remembering to stop and, you know, ask if they have any questions. It's amazing what a difference that little bit of control and that little bit of sort of child-centered approach, uh, what a difference that can make. Uh, dentists would not be able to do what they do without giving needles of local anesthetic. What can vaccinators learn from dentists about how to make giving a needle less painful? I know one thing that they do, they give topical anesthetic you know, in the mouth before they, they inject the first uh, local anesthetic in a needle. Um, what other things have, have you learned that dentists do? Yeah, it's so interesting. I think dentists, as you say, I mean, they really know that it's important to take pain management seriously or or that people won't come back. And I would say veterinarians also do a really good job at this. There was an interesting study a number of years ago that showed that, you know, veterinarians got five times the training in pain management than physicians do. So it is quite fascinating. But I think, um, you know, one of the strategies that's been found to be effective is the use of numbing creams or patches. Uh, you can purchase topical anesthetic at your local pharmacy without a prescription. There are instructions that need to be followed, obviously. The product has to be applied, you know, 30 to 60 minutes before the needle. It's only feasible, really, if you're in an environment where you're with your child when they're having their vaccination. But uh, use of numbing creams, uh, you know, can be a really effective strategy for parents, especially parents who have children who perhaps are more fearful of having needles than, than others. And of course, uh, you've already mentioned that you give your kids your phone to look at as a distraction. Uh, dentists have long put up videos, you know, you can watch your favorite movie, kids can watch cartoons. So they, they have other forms of distraction. You know, I've certainly heard uh, of some dentists using imagery, uh, getting getting kids to imagine that there's some place, some magical place. My dentist, uh, when he uh, applies local anesthetic with a needle, he will grab my cheek gently and, and just rub it at the same time that he's, uh, that he's injecting the, the local anesthetic. 
Yeah, those are all great parallels to what we could be doing to support kids with vaccination. And, you know, distraction is one of the most effective strategies for supporting kids during medical procedures. And, you know, as you say, watching a video or, you know, listening to music through headsets, talking about something fun, also like playing with a toy that encourages deep breathing, like getting kids to blow some bubbles or blow on a pinwheel, that sort of relaxation-based activity can really make a difference and help to relax kids' bodies. Relaxation techniques, techniques that improve breathing. That's something I haven't, I haven't heard of before. So that, that's a tip I, that I've learned. And, you know, it can go beyond just even the breathing. I mean, we often talk to kids about how they can relax their muscles by pretending to, you know, be a spaghetti noodle, turning their arm into a spaghetti noodle or, you know, tensing it like a robot and then relaxing it like a noodle. So there's a lot of strategies that really can engage kids' imaginations in helping them to be relaxed and to be distracted. This is, this is personal. I had an MRI of my spine yesterday, and I'm suffering from a lot of pain in my glutes. That's part of the, the presentation that I've had. I also had decreased sensation, so I have sciatica on, on my left side, and it really hurt having that MRI because I, I had to remain in one position for a long time, and I had to practice a whole array of techniques that you're talking about breathing mindfulness. I turned the pain into, uh, into a dragon. You know, I turned it into a, into a character in a movie and, and I, you know, I, I'm going to slay you and, uh, and it helped. Yeah. And, you know, encouraging that kind of positive self-talk or imagery with kids is so important. I think often, I mean, the first thing a kid asks when they hear they're going to the doctor is, will I be getting a needle? And, you know, often that can be related to a cascading of anxiety and feeling anxious and nervous. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this. This will be the worst experience ever. And so really helping to support kids through positive coping strategies, like, you know, this is a really important vaccination. Uh, I've done this before. Or I can do it again. Um, so really empowering them with, with you know, positive self-talk that they can use. Because again, we know that not only do emotions make pain worse, but our thoughts um, can make pain worse. And so helping kids to develop really positive self-talk around this and empowering them to be able to be proactive and solution-focused in their approach to vaccination is important. You mentioned in the definition of pain that it's a sensory experience, but it's also an emotional experience. How much of the experience of pain is caused by the needle itself and how much is due to the anxiety or other emotional experiences that surround vaccination? Yeah, it's really hard to tease that apart. I mean, we we think of those things really going together. And what's fascinating about pain, and I've, you know, tested the pain tolerance of like hundreds of children in our research lab over the years. And it's amazing how the same stimulus, um, you know, is interpreted by one person as a 10 out of 10 when it comes to pain, another person as a 5 out of 10, another person as a 1 out of 10. It's the same stimulus. It's the same, you know, needle, for example. Uh, so there's huge individual variability in how people respond to needles. And again, some of that is related to psychological factors, but even within ourselves, I mean, it can vary from one experience to the other. So I think really just acknowledging it, that it's a complex experience um, that's influenced by a variety of factors and, you know, how we prepare kids for vaccinations, how we support families and how we set it up as vaccinators and, and, you know, create environments where accommodations and support are possible is really important. Why is it important to look at reducing pain from both the standpoint of, of the sensation of the needle and the emotional experience? I mean, I think I, think I know what you're going to say, but uh, one thing is to acknowledge that somebody is feeling anxious, but, but what else can you say about it? 
almost all of the adults that I've worked with who have severe needle phobias, who like refuse to go to the doctor, for example, can trace back their experience to, you know, one poorly managed procedure as a child. And we know from decades of research now that there are significant long-term impacts uh, physiologically, um, you know, uh, in terms of when we don't manage pain properly in young children, and also the, the psychological impact. It does result in healthcare avoidance and fear and mistrust of health professionals. And, you know, certainly there are a lot of complex reasons why people are vaccine hesitant. Um, there aren't necessarily easy solutions for those. But when it comes to making vaccinations hurt less, making them less distressing, we have tons of research to support how to make that more positive from the beginning. At what age should we go over side effects with kids who are old enough to understand those things? I mean, there's a point at which, you know, obviously a, a child's cognition is increasing as they, as they get older, their ability to abstract. Uh, at what age? Yeah, again, that's another hard question because there really isn't a, you know, a clear-cut age. Um, every child is different. Uh, I think, you know, certainly as we get into the, the preteen and teenage years, making sure that kids uh, have an opportunity to ask questions, that, you know, information is shared with them in a respectful way, but also recognizing that sometimes, you know, too much information, you know, can be scary for kids too. And so making sure that we've got age-appropriate language to describe side effects and to really um, approach the procedure in a child-friendly way. I think the language we use with children is so important. You've already partly answered this, but how about parents? You've mentioned that parents can can purchase and use numbing cream on their kids. You know, you haul out your smartphone to uh, to distract your kids when they're going to get vaccinations. What can parents do to help reduce vaccine pain for their kids? Yeah, I think parents really do know their kids best. And sometimes parents get so nervous about how to manage their child during procedures and vaccinations that they avoid just having a direct conversation around, you know, guys, I'm going to be booking your, you know, COVID vaccinations sometime in the next couple of weeks, or I've already booked you. Let's talk about having a plan. I think often parents walk into these appointments and feel, you know, a bit anxious or nervous uh, for children who are going to be getting them in schools, uh, you know, really having a conversation about like, what do you need to, to feel more confident during the procedure? Children have a lot of insight. Also, I mean, I'm a child psychologist, so I can often say, you know, bribes do work. And I don't mean hmm. big bribes, but I mean giving your child something to look forward to. There's nothing wrong with that. So whether it's a special treat, whether it's special time together, we would frame that all as positive reinforcement. I also think what's really interesting, too, is making sure that you emphasize to your child, because this is not just a, you know, a one-dose vaccine schedule. Children need to go back for a second dose. So it's really important that we talk about what went well, what could we do, you know, next time to better support you? And there's some research that shows that kids who walk away from painful experiences and remember it in a very negative way are more likely to have more pain the next time. So really focusing on the positive. You mentioned that parents should use neutral language. So can you give me an example of, of a do and a don't? Yeah, using language that, for example, gives suggestions on how to cope or distracting talk like, you know, what are we going to do afterwards? There's actually a ton of research showing that parents should avoid using reassuring statements. So parents are um, very inclined to say things like, it'll be over soon, you're okay. Uh, but there's 
a lot of research that has shown that when parents reassure, it actually makes their kids feel worse. Uh, it increases their pain, it increases their distress. And part of the research has really identified that when parents reassure, kids are picking that up as their parent being anxious. And so when parents are anxious, it has a negative impact on children. So I always recommend to parents that, you know, you really keep your own anxiety in check, that you use the same strategies that we recommend for children for yourself in terms of, you know, being calm and making sure that you're not inadvertently contributing to some of your child's anxiety about the vaccination. You've already mentioned that that some kids can develop phobias of needles. So what are the signs that a child has developed a more serious fear or phobia of needles? Being fearful of needles is, is normal. There's a whole continuum of, of fear and anxiety there. But generally speaking, we would consider it to be at a phobic level when um, the child is actively avoiding or parents actually can't get their child in for a second dose. You know, there are some parents who uh, are, you know, feeling like they might have to hold their child down, which is something that we would you know, actively try to avoid wherever possible. That is, you know, sort of the worst outcome for us as, you know, pain management specialists is when a child needs to be restrained because while it may allow the child to get through that procedure, it's incredibly traumatic and tends to set up a lot more difficulties down the road. And um, a different strategy is needed when children have, you know, phobic levels of anxiety. I had uh, among the the adolescents that I vaccinated, I had one uh, teenager who was clearly having a phobic reaction, and I was actually asked to step in uh, and when when the other vaccinator was having some difficulty, and I just focused on on imagery. What's your safe place? Where do you like to go? You know when you're you know when you're when you want to kind of feel good inside yourself, and the world isn't a happy place. Uh, and and she did that, and and eventually, she uh, received the vaccination and. And she got through it. I think she felt better for having gotten through it, that she felt a sense of control, that, that it wasn't just done to her, that, she, that she'd actually done something positive, which she had, to get herself through the experience. Yeah, and that's just such a great example of how sometimes when children struggle with needles, it's just you know, a little extra time, a slightly different approach, the ability to create a a conversation around, you know, like, I'm really scared of needles. And, you know, certain vaccinators, you know, have more, you know, experience or, or kind of more interest in, in working with these, these groups. And so, you know, that's a great story of, you know, at least she was able to come and, have a successful experience. Um, There are some families who, you know, can't even get in the door. Um, And, you know, in those cases, often there is a need to work with, for example, a registered psychologist to, over a couple of sessions, you know, engage in what we call exposure-based therapy. It's a type of cognitive behavioral therapy where you gradually learn coping skills and with the support of the psychologist, you are gradually exposed to your fearful scenarios. And, you know, for some people with phobic reactions to needles, just hearing the word needle, um, you know, seeing a picture of a needle, you know, smelling, uh, you know, alcohol from the wipe, you know, those types of experiences, sensory experiences, all can produce a lot of anxiety. And so a psychologist can help, you know, support conquering the phobia of needles, just like they do with supporting other types of phobias as well. One of the reasons why I was excited about doing, you know, answering this question today on The Dose is because of the hashtag I've seen from time to time, uh, it doesn't have to hurt, uh, regarding, of course, needles. And, and, you know, I think that was partly invented for parents 
of kids who have you know, chronic illnesses, uh, you know, kids who have lots of blood testing, lots of IVs. But I was interested in finding out that uh, you've had a hand in, in the development of that hashtag, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. It really stemmed from a, a initiative that I led probably would be about 2014, where after I became a parent, I realized that all this great research wasn't being put into practice on the front lines. And there were times where I had to advocate really strongly for my children to receive what I knew to be, you know, evidence-based pain management. So we started with a video and that led to a larger social media initiative and the hashtag, it doesn't have to hurt, has carried on. We now use it as part of our Solutions for Kids in Pain um, national network to raise awareness about uh, evidence-based pain management. So it's a great hashtag to search up and and you can be linked to other people sharing uh, information. And it's been just one tool to raise awareness of the problem of pain in children, but also some of the solutions. I think we can agree that the pain of vaccinations and other needles can be reduced. Can the pain always be reduced to zero? No. And, you know, we have to be really realistic. And I know with our It Doesn't Have to Hurt initiative, people have asked us about that. And I say it's very much aspirational, right? It's causing people to question, okay, maybe some of the the assumptions that we have around needles, you know, that of course it's going to hurt, that there are things that we can do differently to promote better outcomes. I don't know why people don't talk about this more. I think people just assume that it's part of life, that needles will hurt. I also think there are, we know that, you know, there are a lot of adults out there who are afraid of needles too. And, and I think it's like a dirty little secret. They don't like to admit it. So uh, it doesn't have to hurt has played a big role in helping to just create a safe conversation around those fears and anxieties, the importance of approaching procedures like vaccination in an evidence-based positive way from the beginning and that there are solutions available. And I think we do really need to frame pain management uh, as, you know, a contributor, important contributor to public health. And uh, it may be a whole group of unvaccinated kids or a whole group of partially vaccinated kids, keeping in mind that that uh, there's two or probably three uh, vaccinations to complete the series. Absolutely. And the experience they're having with this vaccine, uh, you know, and vaccination experience is going to impact their perspective on, you know, how they interact with the healthcare system moving forward. And so it's really important that we take that long view in mind and make vaccination experiences as positive as possible for these children. Christine Chambers, this has been fantastic. Lots of practical tips. I want to thank you for speaking with me. Thanks so much for having me. Christine Chambers is a clinical psychologist who holds the Canada Research Chair in Children's Pain and is the Killam Professor of Psychology and Neuroscience and Pediatrics at Dalhousie University. Here's your dose of smart advice. With kids ages 5 to 11 now getting the COVID vaccine, it's important to know that the pain caused by the needle is quite manageable. Vaccinators like me have lots of tools for making the needle less painful. Things like tickling the skin while giving the vaccine or having kids sitting up instead of laying down, which gives them more control over the vaccination. So does getting them to imagine they're in a place where they feel safe and happy. Parents play an essential role in making the experience of getting a needle less painful. Purchase a topical cream at a pharmacy that numbs the skin and remember to apply it to the skin on your child's arm an hour before the vaccination. As your child is about to get the needle, distract them by playing a movie on your smartphone or tablet. Little bribes for getting the vaccine, like a special treat, are perfectly okay. 
how you talk to your child about the vaccination is also important. Use neutral language. Acknowledge that it will hurt a bit and avoid reassuring statements like it'll be over soon as those can actually increase the pain your child feels. After the vaccine, frame the experience as positive by reminding your child what went well. The online campaign hashtag it doesn't have to hurt is a reminder that needle pain can be lessened. That's important because kids like adults need two and likely three needles to be protected against COVID. Reducing pain on the first vaccination makes the next one a lot more manageable. It may even help prevent some kids from developing needle phobia. If you have topics you'd like to hear or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcast, or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you're so inclined, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Rachel Sanders with help from Amina Zoffer. Technical support was by Lauda Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.